Hi, I'm Stacey Schumacher-Rowan, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Design Magazine, with HD's What I've Learned podcast. Today, I sat down with creative director and principal of her own studio, Nicole Hollis. A master of both hospitality and residential interiors, the renowned designer left her hometown of Florida to study at FIT in New York, before then packing everything up and moving to San Francisco without so much as a job offer. It was the right move. She first became part of the team that helped conceive W Hotels and then cut her teeth with Howard Backen before starting her own firm. Almost two decades later, she is known for her curated black and white spaces that marry architecture and interior design, seen in her warm, residentially inspired spin on hotels such as the Candler and El Prado, much of which is captured in her first monograph, released last year. In this enlightening interview, she discusses what drives her and excites her in our changing world. Hi, I'm here with Nicole Hollis. Nicole, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you. So good to see you. It's been too long. Um, So we always start uh, this podcast at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I was born in Jupiter, Florida, which is a small town, probably about an hour and a half north of Miami in West Palm Beach County. Um, My parents are both from New Jersey, but my father was transferred there for work, and that's where I was born. Um, and did you always have a love for design or travel or was there anything from your childhood that inspired you to where you are today? I, you know, yes. Uh, I think travel for sure. Uh, Like I just said, my parents are from New Jersey and, um, we, uh, we always traveled to New York and New Jersey several times a year to be with family. And so I think, you know, the exposure we would drive, So there was a lot of stops along the way and Charleston and, you know, different battlefields, which were not interesting to me as a child, but we'd stop in DC and, you know, head to the Smithsonian and then we'd get to New York and my father was really into history. So we'd also visit the Met. And so I think there was a lot of travel as far as the East coast. We never really traveled internationally um, as a family, but but I think I traveled in my mind and looked at books and stories and, you know, definitely as a child, I was very creative. So I, I, I looked outward for inspiration. I also, you know, influenced by li- living in Florida. So I think Palm Beach um, architecture, there was the Meisner influence that was indoor, outdoor living that was definitely an inspiration as well. And did you end up going to school for design or architecture? Yeah, I um, I studied at FIT in New York. Um, I actually studied graphic design in Florida and then went to New York to study interior design, um, which was great. And I worked in an architecture firm, James Doria, whilst I was at FIT. So I was supporting myself and putting myself through school. Um, so working in an architecture firm while studying design was such a great education and it was so real world. So I would be in courses at school, but then I'd run to an actual client meeting and I worked in the library and updated materials. I'd go to the design center. I, you know, I think New York is such a great education for your eye. There's every kind of architectural style you can imagine. That's amazing. And what, what was it that you learned or took away from that time of that architecture firm while you were studying? Um, well, it was great. I was, you know, we did, architecture in New York was 
back then was mostly interiors because you're renovating a, you know, a sh- we're doing retail and showrooms. So it wasn't a lot of ground up construction. So it was all interior remodeling. I think um, just learning about communication and this is back before computers. So there's a lot of, a lot of uh, letters, the typing and um, <laughs> phone calls but I still believe in phone calls. I think that, you know, you really need to talk to someone every day, especially on construction sites and show your face and, and be involved. And so I learned a lot of that early on, um, you know, working with architects, you know, critiquing my schoolwork was very important. And I think I learned a lot about scale, a lot about uh, light and shadow and form, um, things that we weren't quite covering in school as far as, you know, interior design and history of interior design. So I think it was a good education. Okay. So you went to FIT, you graduate. What's next? Um, I don't graduate. I moved to California before graduating. Um, I, my boyfriend at the time had an opportunity to work uh, in store design in San Francisco, asked if I wanted to come along and I said, sure. So we just packed up and left. I don't even think I told the school I was leaving. Sorry. And um, I headed to San Francisco. I had no portfolio, no CV, nothing. Just, you know, the idea of like, I had visited San Francisco once before and I really loved it. I loved the light. It was, it was definitely um, a good feeling. It reminded me of the light sort of in Paris where you just see a lot of sky and a lot of low buildings. And so I really wanted to go and I, and I'm glad I did. So what did you do when you got there? I had no job prospects, but um, (laughs) I sent out my CV to um, just about everyone. And about six months later, I wasn't used to the pace. In New York, you're like, hey, you know, you hear right away if they want you or they don't want you. It's always like, you know, we're not hiring, whatever. Or, you know, yes, come in. We want to talk to you. And in San Francisco, things just took so much longer to get a response or an interview I went to interview at the Gap for store design and Banana Republic, and I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to die here. Like, it felt like a pep rally. It felt too corporate. I just, it didn't feel like me. I just, I was stressed already in the interview. I was just like, I can't work here. So I was like, oh, what else do I do? I don't really want to continue in store design. Um, I got a call from Starwood design group, which is a group of designers who were formed in San Francisco, who are not interior designers. They were product designers and store designers hired by Barry Starlink to create a brand called W. And so they hired me and I was like, well, I don't have hospitality experience. And they were like, great, because we're doing something that nobody else has done before. So we're a group of designers who are not hospitality designers intentionally, Um, but they liked my background in fashion and in architecture. So, um, so I started working for Starwood. Amazing. And was the fashion part from FIT or was it something else that you had done? Um, at FIT, but also when I worked for James Doria, we worked, um, we designed fashion showrooms and retail stores. So it was mainly in the fashion district that I would be in all those buildings with Ellen Tracy, Ellen ben, uh, Adrian Bedini, Joseph Abood, um, Valentino. Like we would work with, with all of the fashion on their showrooms. Amazing. And so what year was this? Because was this right at the very beginning of W? It was like, yeah, 93. No, that's not true. 97, something yeah, like that. Like 98, no, 98, 99. I think it was like the end of 98, 99. 
And what was that experience like? I mean, to, I mean, to completely rethink, yeah, completely rethink hotels. Yeah. Um, and it was great that I came from New York because I had spent a lot of time, you know, in the Schrager properties, like at the Paramount. Um, and, and I, you know, there was not a lot of, um, hotel, like I had gone to the, I forget the one up on the upper west side. Um, Drake. Yes. The Hudson, I'd gone to opening to that. So I, I experienced sort of what Schrager was doing. And I think that's what, um, so, you know, that was the only person doing boutique hotels, maybe Kimpton at the time, but I wasn't aware of them. And then for us, it was like, well, we want the comforts of home. So we want duvet covers. We want phones with no cords. I mean, these seem so like in every room right now, but back then there, it wasn't. Um, so we, yeah, we really, you know, wanted to challenge the industry and create the living room, like your home in the lobby and, make your bedroom, your bedroom away from home, like the same sort of comforts of home. Um, so, it, you know, some things were a challenge. Getting to switch to duvets was a challenge because it just took housekeeping so much longer to turn over a room. Um, but it was such a great education and I worked with such talented people and I was working in public areas. So I got to meet a lot of chefs and work with them on their restaurants. And it was just, you know, very good education. Um, but I was burning out, so I needed to, a change of pace. Was, did it cement your love for hospitality though, that experience? No, it actually, I, I love travel and I think, I constantly think of hospitality in every regard, like in your scent, your smell, your taste, like I just can't, I'm obsessed, but I, I think I was pretty burnt out by the studio. And so I was looking for something completely different and joined, um, back in Gillum. So I joined Howard Backen's firm that he had just started after leaving BAR. And we started working in high-end residential and, and wineries and some hospitality projects. Um, so it was a nice change of pace and it was a little more um, considered and a little slower. And I had such a great education with Howard. Yeah. What did you learn from him? Um, you know, I, I just... I think collaboration is really important. I think best idea wins. Like Howard clearly has, you know, has his, his last say, but he's always open to, um, you know, the team and suggestions and design ideas. So it was great to sit around a table and we're all with our trace paper working on a project together. Um, so that was really inclusive. Um, I think that I learned a lot about presenting and how to handle client expectations about communicating with clients and about selling a story. You know, it really is you, you have a vision for a project, but you're, you have to bring your client along with you. And I think Howard's very good at that. And I, I learned, you know, very quickly how to, how to narrate the story, tie it all together to the building and keep that narration going all the way down to the forks and spoons and towels. You know, I think there's really has to be a clear vision and you have to get buy-in early from the client and gain their trust. And he's very good at that. I mean, his buildings are beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And the winery, he just had a recent winery too, but you know, I love that you got to play in that space back then because I think, um, you know, some of your latest work too is oh, you yeah. know like it's just it's uh I mean travel tra- travel for and Howard always said you know travel's important travel 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 so you know I was like I think I want to go to Bali he's like good 
go to the Amman resort, look at everything, photograph. And this is back when like you didn't have phones, right? So I had to bring cameras and film and, but I would photograph, I'd have stacks and stacks of photos that we would study. And then I went to Europe with a chef client and we went to all the flea markets and we'd go to Michelin star restaurants every night. And I'd call Howard and he's like, what's going on? And I was like, I've had 12 bottles of wine, but okay, here's the design. Like the time change, it would be crazy, but it was such an education. And he really was supportive of that. You know, your eye has to travel. You really need to engage and really see great design. Do you encourage that to your team today? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Get out, look up, don't have a phone attached to you. Yeah. Get out of the computer and and experience and it you know you can say oh this looks really good but how does it make you feel and look at the shadows look at the light look, feel the scale you know I think there's materiality there's so much you can learn and you know there are places I've been physically moved and changed by visiting say like uh, Donald Judd's loft in New York like it's like a church in there like you could go and it's so great they don't let you take photos so it's so nice you're just there to experience the space and it really does change you and I think it's important that you know everyone gets out especially after COVID we all need to travel (laughs) there is there will be pent-up demand for sure (laughs) I know (laughs) right here number one (laughs) I mean have you've been you haven't traveled you said in eight months or so yeah, I've been traveling. I've gone back to San Francisco and I've traveled inter-island, but yeah, I've been pretty grounded. It's so strange. My kids are just not used to spending so much time with me, which they love. Um, but yeah, I used to travel almost every week. So it's been, I think I went to LA and San Francisco once since I've, since COVID. Yeah. Do you miss it? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I miss, I, I just love that, that spark you get from in-person meetings and idea sharing. And I think there's just so much that you don't get from a phone call or a Zoom call. I mean, you know, 90% of the information I get, if I put something in front of a client, I can tell by their their body gesture if they like it or not. You know, they're not going to say, I hate that. That's They're too polite for that. But I can tell by the change in their face that they're not in love with what I'm showing them. And I can quickly pivot and show them something else or, but you can't quite get those cues on Zoom calls, especially if they turn their camera off. You can't make them keep their camera on. <laughs> Other people are looking at their phones and they're on the call. Like It's just too easy to be distracted and it's a cha- it's been a challenge. So yeah. I do miss in-person and traveling and being with our clients. I know our CEO for our company had a, you know, an all uh, company zoom call and he was actually in the conference room in our new york office and my colleague and i i am and we're like is it weird that we kind of miss that conference room <laughs> you know like just to be together, together. And, you know to sit in the same room so i totally get that um, oh yeah and I so think we all miss it we all miss being together for sure yeah well, why did you decide because then after this experience with back and G- gillam you went out on your own right yes I had always, it's such a strange thing, but I always thought like, oh, I'll have my firm by the time I'm 30. You know, it was just like a, not a hard goal, but it was a soft goal. It was like, I just always thought I would like have my own thing. Um, but I was just so busy with work. I was perfectly happy where I was. Um, but I had to take some personal time off. I had um, two back operations that I needed mm-hmm. to step away from work and and take a break. And I just 
at the end of that, I just realized like I just couldn't work the way I was working before. Um, and then I needed to just slow down my pace. And so I said, okay, I'll take some time off and maybe I'll take, so I stayed on as a consultant with, um, with back and And then a couple, you know, the phone rang and past clients were like, well, I have a new project, but I want you and Howard to do it. And would you be interested? And so it just started, you know, slow, a very slow burn project started rolling in. But, you know, when you go from Starwood where, the president of Maharam or the who, you know, everyone's all over you. And then you go to Howard's and like all the reps want to talk to you. And then when you go to your the, the spare room of your apartment and nobody picks up the phone, <laughs> it was definitely, hum- it was totally humbling. I was like, don't you know who I am? And they're like, nope, nope. never heard of you. <laughs> so it was very humbling. And I think it was a great experience. And, and I just wanted to, when I set up my own company, I wanted to be sure that, we always kept service at the forefront and that this, we are designers and we all have our vision, but I think the service side really is important. And so just knowing that I could deliver something that I would present or design was so important to me Um, and follow through and really just being a great collaborator with my architecture partners and contractor builders and vendors and fabricators. So that's really been that sort of the ethos and the, and the foundation of the company. What do you know now that you wish you knew then? That's a tough one. I think um, I've never had the, the fear of failure. Like I've always just been like, Oh, well that didn't work. Let's move on, you know? And so I think, um, you know, not in the beginning, I definitely had that, you know, the weight of the like, oh my God, I'm going to make a mistake or this is my reputation and I'm so worried, which is important. You always want to make the right choice for your reputation. But I think I sweated so many little things that um, just caused me so much mental pain that I probably didn't need to sweat. Like signing a contract for a, you know, a a copy machine was like so stressful for me. Like it's a three year lease and I'm going to own this copier. Like, you know, it was just so stressful. So I think it's like financial, you know, you have to spend money to make money and you get what you pay for. And we tell this to clients all the time, you know, you buy something, a cheap piece of furniture or you don't spend the money you should, you're going to cry once or actually you're going to cry twice, but you'll cry once if you spend a lot of money. So I've definitely wish I knew that beginning. Like we, you know, my husband's been really great about it. He's like, you need to pay the best salaries. You need to hire, you know, get the best equipment and get the, you know, and a lot, a lot of the mental aspect of the architecture firms I worked in was like cost, cut costs, cut costs whenever you could. So it's like, you know, getting a color printer was like out of the question because it was too expensive or so we were just like, let's just put the money in and give the tools to the team that they need to do the best job they can. And it really pays off. So I think I was very fearful of spending in the beginning and and you should be you when you're starting out, but right. So yeah, I got that copy machine and I still have it. (laughs) The lease has continued. (laughs) The lease has continued. (laughs) It was well worth it. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing um what did you want to create what kind of firm were you hoping I know you said about collaboration but where did you see the void at that time um or was it just you wanted to create something that felt you it, it, you know like when people are starting to think about a business I mean was it very thought through not in a bad way or was it just it was the right time it was a good opportunity because I know that's 
a lot of people always ask that, like, you know, what was yeah. your plan or did you have a plan? <laughs> no plan, really no plan. Um, I think it was me. I mean, it was like, okay, I'm going to do what I do. And if people like what I do, hopefully they'll hire me. But I also turned a lot of people away. Cause I was like, I don't do that. Like they would ask me to do something that's another designer does. And I was like, I can't do that. You should hire them. Um, you know, I've never worked for an interior designer per se. Like I've never worked for a decorator. I wasn't super educated in like antiquities or drapery styles or, you know, there was a lot of, I was more in the hospitality, retail wineries and high end residential. That's kind of my, so it was luxury. Um, so I wanted to combine all of that experience. A lot of clients are like, I want my home to feel like this resort and I want this resort to feel like that home. So I felt like there was a niche there. Um, but I was very much in architectural in my approach. And I, I think some designers are not. So that was sort of my thing was, you know, working for architects in my career and then starting my firm and really seeking out great architects as partners and creating a great project from there. So that was really my, my thing. So I just stopped all the great architects that I wanted to work with until they gave me an opportunity. That's amazing. <laughs> you just kept knocking on the door. You're like, hi. I was like, hi, me again. Surprised just to run into you in front of your office at 7 a.m. in the morning, you know. But I, I just, yeah, I, I really was like, I respected their work and I felt like I was a good partner for them. And of course, I had to prove it and I had to, you know, rigorous interview process. But I really, I really did feel like I, I had something to offer in that sort of niche where architects get nervous about interior designers. They're going to change their architecture or they're not going to understand fully where their vision is and interrupt it. And I just wanted to take their vision and continue it down into the interior environment. Um, so once I gained their trust and, and I spoke their language, um, I think it became a great, uh, you know, a great positive for our firm. Amazing. What would you consider your big break for your own firm? My big break, there's an obvious project that we won. And so the downturn of 08 was pretty rough for everyone, especially in San Francisco. And um, I had a client, a couple come in and they were interviewing for their for a project in Hawaii. And um, they interviewed two other firms and ourselves. And they, you know, were at the firms for quite a long time. And then they ran out of time and kind of swung by our office and we're like, hi, like we were clearly like the third throwaway firm. And so they were like, what have you prepared for us today? And I was like, uh, I haven't prepared anything because I've never met you before. And I would like to know you before I, you know, show you what I would prepare, or what I would design for you. Um, but anyway, we got to talking and, and it became really obvious. We had a lot of, um, similarities uh she had studied architecture so the approach was very architectural for her house and so we started speaking the same language in that regard I told her I wasn't interested in doing anything I had seen already in Hawaii that I wanted to try something new and modern so they called me maybe 10 minutes on their after they left my office on their way to the airport and said we'd love to work with you um so I think that was you know a, that was like kind of a big break in two ways. One is like, it gave us work because we didn't have much work in, in that downturn. And two, um, 
you know, there was a, a great deal of trust from the client and they were, um, you know, very influential clients and could recommend me to other clients. So it was kind of a nice gateway into a higher um, sort of caliber of clientele. So it worked out. It was a win. And we ended up doing another house for them and we're still friends today. What's your favorite part of the process? Is it that like first meeting with the client and figuring out what they want? Is it the day it opens and you actually get to see either the residents or the hotel, you know, whatever the project is, what's the, what's that moment for you? Oh, it's definitely like the dating honeymoon early getting, you know, getting to know each other, you know, the ideas are flowing and we're really just like, you know, fresh and we're starting to sketch and draw and concept. And I mean, that is really the drug for me. I love it. Um, you know, then the second part is like working with artists and craftsmen. I just love, you know, coming up with an idea, finding someone who can execute and fabricate, you know, working with them, collaborating, seeing the end result installed. So I think like having a, some crazy idea, like let's do some entire bathroom in pink onyx. And then the client's like, let's do it. And I was like, great. And then they're like, oh my God, they're letting us do this. So <laughs> it begins and then we start finding the right partners and designing and working collaboratively. And then it comes together beautifully. And it, that's just so exciting. So, you know, I kind of love all the phases, I guess. Um, you know, the big reveal is always exciting for me and for clients. Um, and also just sharing with, with all of the, you know, the craftsmen and fabricators who have like a little piece of the project, but don't ever get to see the big project come together. So having that, you know, being able to share that is really important to us. Amazing. What do you think has been one of your most challenging projects and why? Um, gosh, we, there's, there's always a challenge, but I think, you know, there was a challenge for us to remodel a house in, I think it was 11 months we had, and it was a complete remodel of like a 14,000 square foot house. And that, nearly killed us. I think we still had PTSD at the end of that project, but the work that we did, <laughs> the level of quality that we pulled off, um, the, you know, the, the collaborations that, that in the, the way that everyone stepped up from builder to craftsman to, to everyone. I mean, it was such a high level design. It was super detailed and all the cabinetry was like furniture and it was just, you know, we are on site every week, the collaboration, it's just, it was rigorous. Um, but it, it really was rewarding, but it nearly broke us. I think we all had our breakdowns. I, I held it out. I held it together till the very end. And then I had like, <laughs> I think I had like a meltdown on the last day. <laughs> and I had to be Which is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like, she needs, you know, after like two weeks of install and it was just so high stress and it was, Finally, I was like, I think I just need to take a moment <laughs> to myself, <laughs> but we made it. And I, and I'm really proud of our team and, and, and we really just like, it was all like, we all survived something and it really brought us together for life. Awesome. Um, and I love how you said, you know, you got to a level of finishes and uh, just the collaboration. You're known for your finishes. You're known for your layering. Um, it's, I mean, it, you're known for your use of black and just the shadow and the play. H how do you constantly 
push that, right? You say, you, you know, you said earlier, you want to do something that hasn't been done in Hawaii. How do you push that? How do you keep reinventing, um, which I know is easier said than done. Um, and also how do you use color in such an interesting way to help tell that story? Yeah. I mean, people will say, oh, you only do black and white and you're afraid of color. And I absolutely love color and it has its place. I can't live with it. Like I, you know, some people can and I just can't. Um, I, but I do appreciate it. And I do find, I have a client that we're working on a client now that every room is a different color. And I show people like, you know, quick shots of it. And they're like, I don't even believe that's you. Like I've never (laughs) seen you do an entirely blue room. And I'm really excited about it. Um, But I do, I'm very strategic about color. I want it to be impactful. I want to use it as a material almost, as opposed to just color, color, color. So if we do an all blue bathroom, it's, it really is like about that experience of all blue. Like the, I think Hall Winery, we did the all red bathroom and everything's red you know the floors the walls the ceilings the doors the sinks so you just come in and you're it's like an, a visual arrest of color so I think it's just strategic and impactful and a little bit theatrical um in some ways and in other ways I you know I just think you you know having a really relaxed zen muted room and then you bring in a great piece of art that just kind of throws everything off balance is is something I'm really interested in. I remember, I think, what is it? The Angler's Hotel? Like you did that, you know, the Kyle was all blue, but everything else is black and white. I mean, just. Yeah. In the bathroom. Just yeah, like in the bathroom. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I feel like it just, you know, in our, and I think it's, I think it's an age old, like Coco Chanel. Like when you walk out, you take off an accessory, right? So we're always reducing, reducing, reducing. We're just like, do we really need that decoration? Do we really need that? extra thing and so there's always like we'll start with the, everything in the kitchen sink and then start pulling it off and off and off and and really getting down to purity and so if you're going to use a color use it and really you know commit to it and make it really impactful but it's also you know it's hard too. what you're saying your process is you're almost editing yourself right like you throw everything out and then it's editing which I think it's harder sometimes than so hard I feel like some designers really should edit more I'm like oh my god this room is great but it has too many ideas like it really has like that was a great idea that was a great idea and that was a great idea but the three really great ideas don't work together in the room so you know I, I really work with my team like pick one and really make this strong narrative and have that narrative carry through the entire project and it will be your guide it'll you go back and touch to it you know what was our original you know concept and narrative for this project and and if we break our own rules then we discuss it and say okay we know every all the furniture here was going to be light oak but we're going to bring in this dark piece because it's you know it's really going to change things up and challenge you know the room so I think it's it really is a discussion about, you know, great ideas. And I'm like, that's a great one, but not for this prop, you know, like just, you know, you can't put everything in the room at the same time. Right. And how, I mean, we at HD believe that um, all disciplines inform each other, you know, residential informs hospitality, hospitality informs residential, um, you know, you see resi commercial, you see hospitality and workplace. Um, I think it's, I always have said in the last few years, I mean, even with COVID, it's one of the most exciting times for hospitality because it's actually influencing so many other um, 
design niches. Do you find a lot of conversation at your firm between those working on residential and hospitality and what they can learn from each other? Absolutely. I mean, we encourage it. We, we are a residential firm and we do hospitality projects. So that's how we look at it. So we're always approaching from the residential side. I think that there's cross-pollination in that studio and we have to de-brainwash people when they come in and say, okay, this is not a hospitality studio. Yeah, there are certain parameters and budgets and codes that we have to adhere to, but we really want to like shake it up and, and bring that residential feeling to our hospitality projects. So having cross-pollination, having materials laid out from residential projects that could you know, translate into a hospitality project are important. Having relationships with vendors that work on our residential projects and and those relationships pay off. Like we, you know, we work with a lot of vendors a lot on our residences and I'll say, hey, can you do me a favor, make this for a hospitality project? I know it's not the price point that you're used to. And I think because we, you know, they've done so much for our residential, they're like, yeah, okay, you know, I'll, I'll knock myself off or I'll create a lower budget version of myself for your project. And I think it makes a difference. Um, so, yeah. We definitely have a residential approach to our projects, oh which is hard, which makes it so hard. Yeah. <laughs> you are making, say we, we do everything the hard way in our studio. There's no <laughs> way about it. It has to be the hard way. <laughs> Love it. Um, so I want to break down one project, uh, the Candler in Atlanta, um, which we love. So it was a 1906 era building that was on the National Register of Historical Places. What was it like working with such a building um, and how did you approach it? Um, so funny story, they had called us and said, we want you to work on this hotel in, in Atlanta. And we said, no, thanks. Um, then a couple of months later, like, no, no, no. We really think that you should work on this hotel in Atlanta. And, and I was like, yeah, no, you know, we're really busy. and just didn't seem like, a good fit for me. Um, and they said, well, why don't you just come and see it? And I was like, okay. So we go to Atlanta, we show up and this building is so beautiful. It's like this Beaux-Arts building in the middle of downtown, original Coca-Cola headquarters. It has beautiful carved, you know, marble on the, on the inside. And I think it was sandstone on the exterior. Um, and it was just, you know, stunning. And it was in great shape. It was a office building and it was a lot of lawyer offices and, and business offices that were the owner wanted to con con um, convert into a hotel. Um, so once we saw that, we're like, okay, you know, this has great bones and has so much light. The windows are huge. So every room just was awash with bright light. So that was very inspiring for us. So, yeah, we just drew inspiration from you know Atlanta we toured some historical properties we looked at other um in, inspirations but you know I think that later on I found out that other firms had had interviewed for this project but and everyone had put like a coca-cola sign in their presentation or a peach and we were the only ones that didn't and we're like why would we do that <laughs> like you know I don't know I just but I guess everyone felt like they needed to show that it was the Coca-Cola, you know, original building. So the owner was like, I guess that was something that resonated with them. Like, you didn't even put a Coca-Cola sign in your mood boards. Like, I was like, why would we do that? So we, 
approached the project holistically. We really wanted to preserve as much as we could down to the original hardware. Um, there was a lot of Shippo, um, um, you know, issue where we had to, like we discovered mosaic floor when we pulled up the carpet and we had to mm. keep the mosaic floor. So we're like, let's just use it. Let's work with it. So we, you know, we had, there's a pink marble wall in the basement. That was so cool. We wanted to try and turn into a speakeasy or there's an old safe down there. I mean, there was a whole bunch of things that we really wanted to incorporate into the project, but it had so many challenges and it took so long to convert the building and really get the architecture up and running. So when it opened, I, I think it was just such a joy for us to get through that project. And um, the team leader, Brandon Asbury in our office, the um, studio adore. director. Yeah, Brandon really poured his heart and soul into that project and it really shows he really did a great job. What was it at first that just wasn't right for you guys? Was it just, you were just too busy? Was it just not, you know, something you yeah. wanted to do? How it, do you decide that? Yeah, for me, it's a, you know, for any sort of development or hospitality, it really has to be something that is exciting because um, to be honest, there's not a lot of financial gain in a lot of those projects. So at first it was timing. We just, it wasn't a good time for us. We were really in the middle of some other projects and we didn't have a team available, but when they came back to us and they still hadn't hired anyone, we were like, okay, maybe we really need to, to make room for this project. Um, then we heard it was a Hilton and we're like, Oh, we don't want to do Hilton because it has brand standards. And then we heard from Hilton that it would be a curio and that there were no brand standards you know, very right. minimal. And so I think, you know, anything that had brand standards for us was just a, a no, because we were like, we just don't want to be tied down to any sort of parameters. Um, so once we were told, like, you can pretty much do what you want and just keep Hilton in the loop, that made it a lot more um, appealing and interesting to us. But right. once we saw the building, I was like, I got to do this project, even if I pay them to, to hire me. To like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in love. So I think there's so many, it has to move me. And, you know, I want everyone in our studio to wake up in the morning and be so excited about what they're working on. And if I take something because it's a good paycheck and they're all like, oh, we are doing this. But not, then there's like, what are we all killing ourselves for? So I really, it really is on the top of the list. Like, is this something we want to do? Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I know you didn't have Coca-Cola uh, signs or the or peach, <laughs> but how did you also honor Alana through it? Because I know also being... Oh my God, I love Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> and being, so I've spent a lot of time in Atlanta and then, you know, in the South, I grew up in Georgia. I mean, in Florida and driving through Georgia was always, you know, part of it. But Atlanta has such a great culture. Everyone there is so wonderful. Um so yeah, we just sort of, and the owner really talked about botanical gardens and the and sort of the the flora and fauna of the South. So she really wanted us to incorporate that. So we sort of drew inspiration from there. Um, but really, it was just trying to keep it transitional, not super modern, a little more Southern in, it, in its appeal, with you know some. Um, you know, some nuanced, you know, references to maybe antiquities, but not exact replicas and copies. So we, you know, we definitely looked around at other historical properties and did some research and then tried to bring it forward. 
And then in the lobby, we wanted to bring it way forward. We thought, okay, this is a new lobby. So we're going to do a little bit more contemporary design just in that lobby. And then when you go into the historical part of the property, it gets a little more, a little more classical. Yeah. I love there's a little bit of a feminine edge throughout. Like just yeah. in the, I mean, it, it's very, you know, again, your signature black and white, but then, you know, just the little bit of tassels and the flower uh, floral as, uh, accents and, you know, even the ring lighting with the globe balls. Like it just has this kind of. Um, it really does have a feminine. Yeah. And then I think a lot of that was, you know, by the owners, like she was very involved. And I was like, remember this hotel is not just for you, but it's for everyone. But she just couldn't not have a personal approach to it. Like when I put my makeup bag down, I want, you know, and so (laughs) it was very much driven by her personal desire. So, and then the pink was just drawn from that original pink stone we found. Yeah. So we sort of pulled from those original colors. Very cool. I do like, I mean, you must deal with so many different owners, especially on the residential side, but I think on the hospitality side, having that personality though, you know, going back to like what hotels were, you know, they were sometimes family heirlooms, you know, or run by like one individual. So having that personal touch, I mean, must've been refreshing in, in a sense. Absolutely. I mean, it was challenging at times. There were multiple family members, um, but they all had such great, you know, personal experiences. And, and um, I think it was just, yeah, it was very much about pleasing them. And it kind of shows through their personal style and how they, you know, wanted to honor the building as, you know, themselves. And, and this is their first hotel. Like they're not like hoteliers that just buy and flip hotel. Like this is, this was a big deal for them. Um, so there were a lot of discussions about, you know, how to respect the building and how to bring it forward. But also we wanted something really great for Atlanta and to really activate downtown again and get people, you know, staying down there and, you know, somewhere really beautiful for the business traveler. And it took four years, right? Yes. It took a long time. (laughs) Which is, I think always sometimes the challenge too with hospitality is by the time you start something and then open it, you know, so many things have changed in the, you know, four to five years that you've been working on it. Yeah. And I think that's the same with residential. So, you know, a lot of our projects are a year and a year, year and a half in design. And then there's about a two year, sometimes three year construction schedule. So by the time you start and by the time you finish, you know, your taste and style may be completely different. So you're always revisiting and saying, you know, do I still like this or was this a great idea? And so I think you have, and sometimes I'll see things published. I'm like, oh, I use that light too. (laughs) I I already bought it sitting in a warehouse for a year. Like I can't change it. So, you know, you really have to be timeless in your approach and not really, everyone says, what do you think trends? And I was like, I try not to look at trends because like I said, my projects take so long. Some of our staff are like, I don't want to, I used to, you know, something that's like a one-year turnover and I'm like welcome to the slow design like we take (laughs) three years to complete a project and sometimes four and sometimes five so I think you know you have to be really thoughtful about not falling into those little traps of you know whatever Pinterest ideas that come and go yeah and how do you stay inspired every day or keep your team inspired especially the last 
call it 12 oh, months now. A, it's definitely been a challenge. And I've been sending some people books, like, surprise, here's a book, like, look at a book, you know? Yeah. Um, I just, like, myself have been ordering books and and I'll just take the afternoon, like, okay, I'm done with my Zoom and lay out some books and look at art books or design books or travel. I'm missing travel so much. Um, I try and read online and it just doesn't feel the same to me. And I think the way a book is organized, um, you know, by the, the editor or the author, it really tells a story and a narrative. And I really try to stick to that. And so just skipping ahead to the photo that I like. Um, so, you know, I, I, I try, I mean, if you can't travel, I think books are the best way to do it. And, you know, getting something that maybe not you're not typically interested in but I think it's it's been really great for me and I've been encouraging other people yeah I you know we try and send out like newsletters and blogs and you know go on a walk and take photos of the sky and send share it with the whole studio I mean anything we can do to get people outside um looking at nature looking at color looking at material is helpful I think in the pandemic especially yeah. And you also recently released or about to your first monograph. Yeah. We released our book in October okay. last year, which is like the worst time and during COVID. Yes. So it could be this year. <laughs> all blends exactly. together. No. It, yeah. It's like an ongoing release. Um, we had no book signings and uh, I don't think I've signed any books really just a few, but um, but it, you know, it's, it was in three years in the making. So we finally came out with it and we were so thrilled that the press in Italy didn't close, even though it's probably not good for them, but it's good for us because the book got printed and, and it did ship. So, um, yeah, so it's out, it's called curate, curated interiors. What was it like to go back and look through, you know, and kind of take a moment to reflect on everything you've re- created since 2003. It was so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, there were so many things I was not loving because, you know, you just, you're like over it. And so I had to really go back and reshoot some projects with a different point of view. I had to, you know, um, there's some projects I didn't get to put in the book because clients wouldn't allow, which is always mm-hmm. a challenge for any designer. So yeah, it was, it was, I wanted to show a cross section of like scale in proximity, like different locations. So we have a few, like, you know, we have a Stinson house, we have the city house, we have the, the Hawaii house. So I think it feels like, you know, it shows a little cross-section of what we can do. Um, and I, yeah, it was, cha- it was definitely, it was interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. To look back. And what did it mean for your team too, to, you know, publish this, a lot of their work and what's your team Light. Um, so we, we structured the studio like an architecture firm. So we are structured in studios. We have a residential design studio. We have a hospitality design studio. We have a interior architecture studio. We have a furniture design studio. We have an art director and graphic design. Um, and then we have our purchasing and admin team. So we have these different little pods, but they definitely all cross pollinate together in one space when we're back from COVID. Um, so, so I think the structure is, you know, we have directors that work under me and then they work with the senior designers and the project designers. And so 
we really try and connect with each other often to make sure everyone feels included in the, our overarching vision. And then everyone kind of goes off and does their duties. But I think it, it very much is about collaboration and about cross-pollination. So we try and keep the studio open and people kind of walking by and seeing what they're up to and what sketches are pinned on the wall. And um, so it's very collaborative. So I think the book was very exciting for the, for everyone that worked on it. And there were so many to mention I didn't know how to do it. So I just did a general thank you. Um, and there are not, you know, nights I wake up, I'm like, oh, I should have mentioned them by name, but I was like, oh, it's just so hard. So I just, you know, it's such a challenge, but I mean, clearly all of these projects required so many people and vendors and fabricators and builders and designers and contractors. So, you know, it definitely wasn't just me for sure. How big is your firm currently? Um, we are hovering around 100 people right oh. now. So, yeah, we're, we're quite large for an interior design firm, right. I would say. Um, there aren't that many interiors firms, maybe that scale, but plenty of architecture firms that are. Right. You mentioned a little bit that you got through 2008, 2009. Uh, how, did, how does that compare to the last year and what you had to do you know, to keep your business afloat and moving forward? Because it has been um, challenging. To say absolutely. Well, we maybe residential, knew. not so much this last year. Maybe it's been good on residential side. Residential <laughs> is booming. So we, in March, we didn't know what to expect. And financially, we're like, let's just buckle down and prepare. Um, however, most of our clients, you know, move forward with their current projects. And a lot of new projects have come up. People are really focused on home now. They're really focused on the secondary market, getting out of cities, um, so I think a lot of interior, you know, residential interior designers like ourselves have been very much busy. Like we're so busy. So that just poses a challenge. Like we're just, you know, there's logistics of getting together, traveling to the site, furniture installs have been challenging. Um, but I, I would say we've had a very productive year, uh, almost too productive. I worry about everyone working too hard because it's just like the work home boundary is so blurred right now. Like, turn off your computer and get out of your room. And, you know, because it's just easy to like, I see people working at 10 o'clock at night and I'm like, well, just cause I am, doesn't mean you should be like, they right. should be off. So yeah. When, you know, I, I see the productivity is very high and very efficient. So I think we've learned a lot. Like there's a lot that can be done from home. Right. Very different though, from 2008, 2009, I'm sure. Where oh yeah. Those were, and- yeah. I think development, you know, really, especially on the hospitality side was, was really dried up for a while, but then there was the backlog of things coming up. And I think we're going to see a backlog from um, this COVID year where a lot of projects went on hold and financial, you know, the, the, the PPP money came through, but it wasn't enough to really kick off development work. So I think there's going to be uh, a lot of new projects starting, hopefully, you know, fourth quarter this year, first quarter next year. Yeah. And are there any projects you're looking forward to that you're working on that you can talk about? I, what can I talk about? <laughs> I'm like, um, what so are you working, <laughs> Well, I'm working on Kona Village, which is, you know, my baby right now. So Kona Village is a resort here in Hawaii. I'm here in Hawaii right now working on Kona Village. So um, it is a sort of a, I, I want to say it's a boutique hotel. It's um, 150 rooms. It's going to be operated by Rosewood. But it's a, a historical hotel in its sense where it was here since the early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically thatch huts on the beach. 
um, that were wiped out in 2011 tsunami. And then our, you know, private investors have stepped in and are rebuilding the whole project. Um, so we have, we're working with Walker Warner Architects. Greg Warner is the architect designing these cool little um, guest rooms that have thatch roofs, but it feels very luxury and, and very unique, um, especially for Hawaii. So I'm very excited, but don't ask me when it opens because I can't tell you because I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it must be nice to have been in Hawaii the last couple of months to like, be there and really immerse yeah, yourself been, in it. It's been really great being on site and watching the buildings come out of the ground. I mean, it's very much a like ground up construction project and, and really seeing the site being formed and shaped and then seeing the buildings come in and being able to be on site um, more often. So it's, it's been really beneficial. And you said you had a house there in Hawaii? Um, we have a small condo, which is oh, nice. not really meant to be living in full time, but I'm sort of, <laughs> but why not? We're, ma- we're making it work. We all have a, a, kids are in their bedrooms. My husband's sitting outside. I'm sitting in my bedroom. We're all working. <laughs> the remote Wi-Fi is not always great. So yeah, I'm surprised a child has not run in yet here. So I, 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 I actually locked the door. My oh. I was like, I'm locking the door. Everyone, don't come in. So the kids know. But they were literally here like 10 minutes before, you know, my call with you. And they're all like, what are you doing? And my you know, my son's like pressing buttons and changing my Zoom. So I have like big eyebrows or a mustache. And I'm like, I don't know how to turn that off. Oh, like, yeah, please don't touch. <laughs> don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's amazing. Um, are you looking at hospitality and your projects through a different lens now post-COVID? Or I feel like this is like the great debate that I have with people. Like, will things change or will things go back to normal? Of course they'll change. Yeah. No, I mean, we they will change. You, I think my kids are like, gosh, when I watch a TV show and I see no one wearing masks, I have anxiety. Like, yeah. we're all kind of scarred from this. So there's no way that we're not going to interact differently and it's easy to fall back and get in comfort, but, but I mean, there's so many benefits to having fresh air in a conference room. Like if you can have it, why wouldn't you have it? Why wouldn't you have windows that are operable and, and to be able to get that cross ventilation? Like, why wouldn't you? So some of these things I think are just forcing us to, to look at the, look at them in a different way. And I think there's so many positives from that. Um, so I don't think it's, it's like changing the industry. I think it's just, you know, another thing, just like adapting technology into industry. It's just something that we have to consider and really think, think about and bake into the design. Yeah, that makes sense. And we always end this podcast with the title of the podcast. Um, So what has been, or what is your greatest lesson learned along the way? My greatest lesson learned is in design, it's you have to be flexible, humble, and committed. So, you know, I think flexibility is important. If the design needs to change, it needs to change. Don't get so locked into your ideas that you cannot see where you need to go from there. Um, and then listening is so important. Make sure you hear your client, especially in residential. Make sure that you are delivering what they need, and it's not always about what you need. Um, commitment and loyalty. Like if you commit to an idea, you know, see it through. And you know, for me, I, I just like if we're gonna do it, we're gonna we're gonna kill it. Like we really need to nail it and don't half-ass it. 
please. Mm-hmm. Then don't do it if you can't do it right. Love it. And then lo- and then loyalty, just you know, to yourself and to others, and really, you know, be a great friend, a great partner, a great boss. I think you know everyone respects that that sense of loyalty that you feel. It's almost like a security blanket. Amazing. Well, Nicole, it was so good to see you over Zoom. I hope I get I to see you in real life soon. I have to I trip to Hawaii to see you because yes. that looks better Please. than Brooklyn <laughs> in the winter. So, um, but thank Definitely. you for taking the time. It was so good to catch up with you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's been such a pleasure catching up with you. Of course. Thanks for listening to Hospitality Designs, What I've Learned. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find full episodes and transcripts at hospitalitydesign.com.